We turn to Ephesians chapter 1 and all the way through we see the, the glory of God to the praise of the glory of his grace, especially in verse 6. And so we look this morning to the supremacy of God, the supremacy of God. We know Children have been learning that the chief end of man is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. And the reason why that is the first catechism and the short Westminster catechism is because it is the most important one. Everything really follows out from that to the glory of God, to the praise of the glory of his grace and from uh, the beginning man and even before then angels as we see in satan and his fall have trying very hard not to give glory to god from satan to adam and eve in the garden who were tempted and then fell by the words of satan to want to take from God what was rightfully his. Then we move to uh, Babel. And I've just been singing there there, that there is not a a God the fool uh, says. They wanted to make a name for themselves, to build a city that would reach up into the heavens. We work on uh, through uh, the scriptures We know that Jesus came to his own and they did not want him. They did not want to receive him and they crucified him. And even uh, to this day, it's very doubtful that uh, a modern hymn or songwriter would have ever have written anything which comes close to Psalm 53 that we have just sung. And so all the way through man's history, there's always been those attempts to not give glory to God by whatever means they can come up with. And even when we search our own hearts, our own minds, we realize that we do not always give glory to God. And so this morning what I want to show as we look through these scriptures and more, is to see the supremacy of God in all things. To see the supremacy of God in all things. We say, well, why do we want to see the supremacy or need to see the supremacy of God in all things and have that as first and foremost as what we want to do? Because that is what, as we know, God is strongly for. As I said before, the the chief end of man is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. But the chief end of God is to glorify God, to glorify himself and then to enjoy himself forever. The supremacy of God is what God is all about. And we fight that. We rail against that. In our subconscious sometimes even, if not outright, rebellion. We are going, no, why should God get the praise and glory? Why should I bow the knee down to him? Why should he be supreme in all things? And so therefore, 
as I've said all the way through the history, we've always come up with a new plan, a new way, which as we know isn't, there's nothing new under the sun, even down to the way that we think that we should glorify God in when we come together on the Lord's Day. And we know that hymn writers and songwriters have come along and said, well, no, we don't want to use the Psalms. We want to make up our own words, our own hymns of praise to God. We cannot just allow God to have the final word. We cannot allow God to set the agenda. We cannot allow God to say, well, this is how I want to be worshipped. Worship me like this. I've even written you a, a song book, the Psalms, the Psaltery, and then we know we, we even then have to come up and write new hymns and new songs. We cannot let God take the glory. We cannot give credit to God where all credit should be given to God. We always want to do something which takes that away from God. And so therefore we turn to God's word and all the way through God's word what we see is him revealing himself to us. Who he is. What he loves. What he hates. How he is to be worshipped. And especially as we were looking last Lord's Day we saw there how the tabernacle was used as we uh, looked uh, through and we saw that, and how, how the tabernacle was to be built, and then, and then it was we, the, how the temple was to be built. And he lays down all these ordinances and all these laws and regulations. And sometimes we think, and as some have done, well, maybe we can just cut corners. Maybe we can do this. And we know that strange fire came down because God said, no, this is who I am. This is how I am to be worshipped. Honoured, adored, all glory and honour is due to me. And so therefore we read the scriptures from the Old and the New Testaments and we see uh, the history of the people of Israel, what God has said, how he's to, to be worshipped there. And then we come to the New Testament, the fulfilment of, the, of the, the, the Old Testament prophecies and we see there that Jesus came and fulfilled those uh, prophecies and said, it is finished, as he died on the cross. And so therefore we look at the, 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 the purposes of God, to live a God-centered life. And this is, again, isn't it, how uh, we, 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 we fight against this. To live a God-centered life. We say, yes, that is what we're about as Christians. That is what we're about as, as believers. That is who we are, to live a God-centered life. And it's very easy on the Lord's Day, on the Sabbath, to live that God-centered life. But then we enter into the workplace. We go back into our families, our friends, Monday to Friday. And it's very easy then to live a self-centered life. Maybe first thing in the morning, maybe last thing at night, you're doing your daily devotions. Maybe that can be God-centered. But we step outside our front doors and all of a sudden we step into the world. And what happens? Our selfish desires, other people's uh, thoughts and wisdom and understanding, or foolishness as we might call it, comes upon us. And all of a sudden we find ourselves not giving glory to God in our thoughts and our words and our deeds. We know, as Paul tells us, 
that we have exchanged the truth for a lie. Everyone knows the truth. Everyone knows that God exists. Everybody knows, even atheists know, that God created what they see. And yet that glory uh, that should have been given to God, that should be given to God, has been exchanged for the glory of what has been created. But God does not allow us to exchange that his, what is due, his glory that is due to him for glory that is due that, that, that we give to others. What God is about is his own supremacy, for he is God. God is a jealous God. And we know that if God was not all for himself, then that would mean that he was not God, because therefore there would be something else that was above God. But there is no none that is above God. And so therefore what we see is that God is all about his praise and glory. God is all about his supremacy. Or God is all about himself, his righteousness, his truth, what he wants what he wills and so therefore we are to come and to give glory to him why because that is what we are commanded to do but even if we weren't commanded to do that we should still do it because he is the most glorious thing and yet we exchange that truth for a lie don't we we see something that is beautiful in our eyes something that is uh, precious in our eyes. And we exchange the truth of the glory of God and we exchange it for what is ultimately a lie, something that we find valuable, we put a price on. And yet if it's not of God and not God, then it is a falsehood. And so just as we are to give that glory to God, then God also gives glory to himself. And we see that as we look through through scriptures. And we take it to even when we when we look at the cross of Christ, and we ask that question, don't we? Why did Jesus come to die? Now our immediate reaction is to save sinners, to save me. And yes, that is true. But it's amazing, isn't it, how we managed to turn it all about ourselves. Christ died to bring glory to his Father. Christ died because it brought delight to his Father. First and foremost, even Christ's death on the cross was about the glory of God the Father, not about us. But we very easily make everything to be about us. We, we, we think, yes, God has, has saved us so that we may live a blessed life. God has saved us so we can go to heaven. God has saved us so that we can uh, be, be blessed. And we think of that, and we, we even read there, isn't it, that, that glorious inheritance that we, we're, go, we're going to get. And can you see how easily it is just to change the bias, to nuance it, to take it away from the glory of God and actually make it about ourselves, to become self-centered, 
so so easy for us because that is our by our fallen nature to turn everything into us that we are the center of our own universe that all things are about us and even God is there to serve us even God is there look he even sent his own son to die for us to die for me and so we've got to be very careful that we do not take the glory away from God that he deserves and expects So God is all about his own glory, his own supremacy. God is about God. That is what he is about. And so therefore, as we read in Ephesians, in the first part of Ephesians verse 6, where we read, to the praise of the glory of his grace. And we see there as we go uh, back a bit, as as you're reading, especially the first half of of chapter 1, you see how Paul talks about him, he, God, Jesus. It's all about him. It's all about his glory, his grace, his peace from him. (coughs) Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Verses 4, 5, in the first part of verse 6, we see, According as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace. And we see there, don't we, it's for it's about his will according to the good pleasure of his will it's all in him it all belongs to him it's all about him for him by him through him in him it's all about him And if we lose that, if we lose track of that, then we are lost when we make it about ourselves. And so therefore, we have to ask ourselves, first and foremost, we see there that we were created for him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and without blame before him it's not about our worldly standards which we've just been singing in psalm 53 man thinks that he's good man thinks that he's doing fine man thinks that he's doing okay maybe he's not brilliant maybe he's not perfect but he's doing okay he's good but as we know there is no one that is uh, good but but god And here we see again, we see that it is all for him, that we should be holy and without blame, not before your government, not before your king, not before your spouse, not before your children, not before your parents, but before God, before God, before him, before him. As we go through, it's a more more text. We'll see that we see that more clearly that we are standing before Him, 
reflecting him. Not ourselves, not our government, not any philosophies or ideologies that we may have learnt or, or come up with. He created you for his purpose. If we uh, read from Isaiah 43, verse 7, Even every one that is called by my name, for I have created him, for what? For my glory. I have created him for my glory, we read in Isaiah 43, verse 7. I have formed him, yea, I have made him for my glory. It's not the other way around, that God didn't create us so that we could in, in just enjoy our lives, enjoy uh, what we see. We sometimes say, don't we, that, that uh, uh, God, well, he, didn't, he could have made the whole world black and white, but that would have been very boring for us. And again, we're, we're making it about ourselves. No, he put all these colors for his glory, first and foremost. And so therefore, you were created for the glory of God, for his glory. To make God glorious. And then again, it's very easy for us to fall into that trap. And we say, well, yes, by the things that I do, I'm going to make him glorious. I'm going to make him more glorious. I'm going to give him more glory. He'll be made more glorious. And again, we cannot say that because God is glorious. If we just put a number on it, it would be 100%. It's not as if he's 80% without us and he becomes 100% with us as we give glory to him. As we lift his name on high, he becomes a better God or he becomes a more perfect God or he becomes a more beautiful God or he becomes a more glorious God. No, there's nothing that we can do to make him more glorious. But again, can you sort of see how sometimes we think, oh yeah, I'm praising God. I'm making him more beautiful in my eyes. In my eyes, I'm making him more glorious than he already is. No. Can you see how subtlety, uh, how very subtle it is? Well, we can make it about ourselves. And we can say, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm making God bigger. I'm making God greater. No. God is already great. God is already strong. God is already glorious. And it's that... Uh, maybe for, just to, uh, maybe, uh, uh, to help to understand this and uh, for the children as well that we have the, uh, a, a microscope and a telescope and microscopes what they're about is that they make little things bigger and that is not how we look at God God is not a, a little thing that by looking in a microscope we can make him bigger what we think about it is we obviously no, no analogy, no, no picture is perfect, but uh, when we come to describe uh, God or anything, but we're looking into the, looking into the stars, uh, we're looking into the, uh, up into the galaxies, and we see uh, planets, we see stars, we see suns uh, from millions and billions of, of light years away, and we look in a telescope and we're making something that's already big, something that we can see. And maybe that is a helpful, or maybe not helpful, picture of, 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 of how it already is. That God is already great. God is already glorious. God already is who he is. And what we need to therefore see is actually how he already is. And it's difficult for us to see that. 
It's difficult for us. We bring him down to our size. We make him sometimes small. We put him in a box. Because that's the only way sometimes we can comprehend or understand. And we bring him into our world. And therefore we belittle him. But what we are to do, and this is uh, coming back to that, uh, being that being that light and being that reflection, and looking also to the Old Testament and the nation of Israel that was to be holy, and therefore to be that holy people, they had to be set apart. They had to be different. And therefore we read of how uh, God had commanded them and led them to do certain things so that they would be holy. They wouldn't eat certain things. They wouldn't do certain things. They wouldn't mix with other nations so that they would be that holy nation. And we see that with the, uh, uh, the, the kingdom of David uh, where the, the nations were to come and see how great God is by looking at this holy nation to reflect the glory of God. And even going back to there, that's just, I forgot to say, I was going to say about even then, isn't it, that the people, uh, the the nation of Israel, they said, well, the other nations, they've got a king, we want a king. Remember Samuel saying, you've already got a king. You see how we want to uh, not give glory to God. But you were created for his glory. Not that we may add to his glory or increase his glory to make his glory bigger. But no, we were created for him, for his glory, that we may reflect him. Reflect the glory of God. The people would look at you as believers and they would see the glory of God. They wouldn't see you. It's not about you about how you live your life, but how God is in you. You reflecting, you shining forth the glory of God. For we know uh, that we were made in the uh, image of God, that we uh, have been given that, uh, we'd be able to to, to rationalize, to be able to think, to be able to uh, know uh, uh, God, to, to love, to think, to reason, to have those thoughts and emotions. But what also again is there? We think, okay, we're made in the image of God, and again, we can we can miss what God is doing there. And just to, to, just to emphasize that, that when people look at us, therefore what they should be seeing is an, 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 an image of God. Not that we are, we, we're not God, we're not middle gods or anything like that. But what they see is when they look what God has created, what they see is the image of God, the glory of God reflected back at them. That's the, what it means to be uh, created in, in the image of God. That we would be that uh, image of God in his creation. That he would be given glory. That when people look at one another, they would see the, the glory of God in his creation. Being reflected back at them. And so he creates human beings but what we've got to remember is that 
And this is what happened in the Garden of Eden. They were created to, to, to reflect in one another the glory of God, the, 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 the image of God. And at the fall, what they did was, they, 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 if, you, if you think about it, uh, they, they turned the, uh, the mirror, mirror around. And they looked at themselves and they said, look how glorious I am. Look how great I am. You have the, the story of the, uh, the Tower of Babel where they said, come and let us make a tower that we would make a name for ourselves. That we would be seen to be great. That people would look at us and see how great we are. Taking the glory away from God. No longer reflecting uh, the image of God back out to those who would look at you. But to, to say, no, look how good I am. And so that's sometimes what we do, isn't it? We have that vanity. We look at ourselves in the mirror. And I go, what a good job I've made of myself. And the glory is taken away from God. We do not look God, give God the glory. And we see that, don't we, as we, we, Jesus said, Matthew 5, verse 16, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works. Let your light so shine before men. So people will look at you and they would see the good works that you're doing in God. And what does Jesus say? And glorify your Father which is in heaven. And glorify your Father which is in heaven. That is what it's all about. It's what Jesus is saying. People may look at you, the image of God. They may see reflected out of you what you are doing, the good works of God, that God may be glorified. And as we know, uh, Adam and Eve in the garden, they just turned that around. They looked upon themselves. They would look at themselves and see how good they were. The glory for, kept the glory for themselves. That they would do what they wanted to do, not the will of God. That they would give glory to themselves and no longer give glory to God. And so therefore what they were doing, instead of reflecting that the glory of God, they just turned it around and kept it for themselves. Rebelled against God, sinned against him. Such a tragedy. And that continues to this very day. I always remember how uh, when the, uh, was it the uh, Galileo, the, the, the satellite, the image, uh, the uh, camera that was sent up into, up into space, and you have the people there who'd made it congratulating themselves, saying, oh, wow, look what we've done, how we can now take pictures of these far-off uh, galaxies. I remember somebody commenting the fact that actually what they should have been saying was, wow, look at what God has created. But remember, again, they turned it to themselves. Look what we've done. We've been, we're now able to, to take pictures of these far-off moons and stars and galaxies, how great we are and yet did not give glory to the God who even put those stars and galaxies there in the first place. And so, therefore, it is all for him. It is about his glory. 
And we see there in why Jesus came. And just to really uh, finish here and draw this to a conclusion. Paul says in Romans chapter 15, verses 8 and 9, Now I say that Jesus Christ was a minister of the circumcision for the truth of God, to confirm the promises made unto the fathers, and that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy. Christ came. That we, you, might glorify God for his mercy. Jesus, remember at the end uh, on the cross, he said, it is finished. His mission was completed. The truth of God was revealed. And as we see there, that um, all these promises that have been made to the forefathers, the patriarchs of old that we read about in, in the Old Testament, those promises have been fulfilled in him. God is true to his word. So God says, do you believe me to be the way, the truth, and the life? Am I telling you the truth? For I have promised that I will send my son to purchase all the promises that I've given to the patriarchs. And so the question is, do you believe that what he says is true? For we know that mercy comes through Christ Jesus, that we are saved through the mercy of God the Father, that we receive therefore all the inheritance out of that because of what he has done to the glory of God. The problem we begin just to really finish is if we stop there and say, well, yes, I've received, I have received the mercy of God. I have received that glorious inheritance that has been prepared for all mankind. I have received the forgiveness of God. And if we stop there, if you stop there, then you stop too soon because you've made it again all about yourself. Because that's not where it finishes. Because we need to remember that uh, we receive mercy because it glorifies God. Christ came to glorify God, to die on the cross to glorify God. But again, if we make it all about ourselves, if we say, well, Christ came for me that I may not die but have everlasting life, that I may be received this glorious inheritance... If we stop there, if you stop there, you stop too soon. Don't stop there. Say, no, what is behind all of this? And we realize it's all for the glory of God. For the glory of God. So we read in Ephesians 1, verse 6, to the praise of the glory of his grace. Let us pray. Lord God, it is so easy for us to make everything about me, about us, when in fact it is all about you, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. And so God, we pray this morning that we would just not stop at us. Yes, we know the, uh, the good gifts that you have given to us, the gift of life by your Son, Jesus Christ. But help us to know 
and make this a living truth in our lives that we are here to glorify you. In Jesus' name and for his sake we pray. Amen. Amen. We conclude our morning worship singing from Psalm 56. Psalm 56. The first seven verses. Psalm 56. Show mercy, Lord, to me, for man would swallow me outright. He me oppresseth while he doth against me daily fight. Thy, they, they daily would me swallow up, they that hate me spitefully, for they be many that do fight against me, O Most High. When I'm afraid, I'll trust in thee. In God, I'll praise his word. I will not fear what flesh can do. My trust is in the Lord. Psalm 56, show mercy, Lord, to me. Show mercy, Lord, to me, for I
intimations for this day, evening service at the usual time of 6.30 this evening. And then communion services will be held, God willing, as follows. On Thursday, 7.30, Reverend Woods. Friday, the 23rd at 7.30, uh, Reverend McGlynn. And the Kirk session will meet, God willing, at 7 p.m. on Friday. Uh, Saturday, service uh, is 7 p.m. with Reverend Thomas Buchanan. And the Lord's Day, the usual time of 11 a.m. and 6.30. 11 a.m. is Sacrament of the Lord's Supper. And then in the evening, 6.30, Reverend Thomas Buchanan will be leading that also. And then on Monday, the 26th, 7.30, uh, that will close our communion season. Uh, Reverend Thomas Buchanan will be preaching there also. Anyone who is a communicant member in another congregation of the FCC or another denomination and who wishes to join this congregation as a communicant member, please submit a distinction certificate to the Kirk session as soon as possible. And those wishing to come forward by a profession of faith or who don't have a distinction certificate can do so during the communion season. Uh, please know that only members of the communicant role of this congregation will have a vote in the election of a new minister. And there will be a, a congregational meeting God willing, on Thursday, the 29th of September at 7.30, with regard to the vacancy conducted by the Reverend Timothy McGlynn, who is the interim moderator of this congregation. All of these are God willing. And September Witness and Explorer magazines are now available for collection on the table in the vestibule. But now, by the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit with you all now and forevermore. Amen. <laughs>